Well, as always, I'm so glad to see you, and I hope you're glad to see each other, are you? And, and I want to welcome those worshiping with us online today. We're always glad to have you as well. Now, today we're going to finish up the series we're doing about Joseph, and I hope that it'll be meaningful to you. If you haven't had a chance to be here, this is the fifth of five, and maybe you can go back and pick up the other messages. Before we get started, I want to ask you to pray for my wife, Laura. She got up this morning. She was fixing her hair. She turned her head a certain way, and then she had vertigo. And so uh, we had to get her in there and let her lay down. And if she turned her head one way, she was dizzy, 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 and nauseated. Turned her head the other way, nothing. And I've had vertigo, so I diagnosed it for her. <laughs> I had it when I was living in Opelika. And what happened was this guy took me up in his, in his plane, and, and he was a stunt pilot. It really, I'm not making this up. You couldn't make this up. And he took me up in his plane, and he says, and we, we took a ride. It was great. And then when we got back close to the runway, he said, you want to do a few tricks? And I said, I'm an old man. Stay close to the runway and get me down when I tell you to, okay? He and I were the same age. He did all that stuff all the time. I didn't. And so he took the plane. He said, we're going to flip over. And so we flipped over like this. We went like this. And then he said, well, we got to get things straightened out, so we're going to come back the other way, and we flip back over. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to do this, where you go up like this and do the loop thing and come back. But, but I'm a man of, of faith in God, but I'm not stupid. So <clears throat> I said, no, we're not going to do that. I've seen you do that, and I think you should do that yourself. Sometime when I'm not in the plane, but just I'm good, you can take me down now, okay? And then uh, right after that, I had vertigo went to my doctor. He had had vertigo. He gave me some exercises to do. So knowing that, I gave Laura some exercises to do. I just texted her, and she said she has improved. So I'm going to take credit. No, I'm not. I'm, but, but she's better. She's not completely there, but she's not as dizzy, and she's not as nauseated. She was able to eat a little something, but she's taking it easy. So I just pray that that'll straighten everything out with the vertigo, because how many of you have had vertigo? We are family. When you have vertigo, you know, you, you're bonded with other people who've had it, okay? So hopefully she'll get straightened out. Now, we said that Joseph will move from having a dream to a destiny. God gives everybody dreams, and he gives everybody a destiny, and there are two different things. Your dream is not the same as your destiny. In fact, your dream is something that prepares you, along with the character test you take in life, to prepare you to get ready to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. See, we're not ready. God will use all kinds of experiences in our lives to prepare us to be ready because it's a great responsibility to accomplish the destiny that he has for us. And so Joseph's destiny was to feed multitudes of people. And he went through a lot of grief to get there. And we've talked about that in this series. We've talked about all that he experienced. But what happened was he did feed multitudes of people, not just people in Egypt, but his family, his extended family, and also people from around the area, not just there in that country, because God put him in the right place at the right time in the right situation with the power and the authority to do something and he, got, he had God's favor. And God showed him how to do it, and he showed him how to prepare, and he did it, and God blessed him. And we said that there were three times well, what God did was he put him in a position where he was number two man behind somebody in charge. 
He was number two in Potiphar's house. He was the number two guy. Potiphar didn't worry about the house. He let Joseph take care of it. When he went to prison, he was the number two guy, the, the guy who managed the prison. He just put Joseph in charge of it because God prospered him. He blessed him, and so everything he did prospered. And then when he worked for the Pharaoh, God blessed him in such a way that he was number two. And the Pharaoh didn't even worry about things because Joseph was in charge of it because God did that. Now, we said the first week that Joseph had to go through the pride test. And the pride test is something we all have to go through. Anybody ever praises you, gives you affirmation, you get something good happens to you, it's easy for us to go to pride. We can get in trouble with that. He had a dream and he was proud of the dream because God gave it to him. And I would understand that. But he shared it with his family and the dream was that his family was going to bow down to him. And they weren't as excited about the dream for some reason as Joseph was, which got him in the number two week, the pit test, okay? They put him in a pit. They were going to kill him, but they didn't do that. What they did was sell him into slavery, okay? So he went through the pride test. He went through the pit test. Then he went to the palace test, and he had to go through the palace test to move forward. And then last week, we talked about the purity test, right? Do you remember that? Everybody remembers that one. Everybody wants to talk about that one. When I talked about some of the things I talked about last week, y'all laughed and got excited and wanted to hear more about that. If you didn't get a chance, you need to go back and watch the purity test, okay? And today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the prison test. Because here's what happened. Right after Potiphar's wife is trying to seduce Joseph, and he runs out of the house, he runs literally out of his coat, she grabs it from him, he goes outside, he passes the purity test, he does the right thing, and what happens to him? He gets in trouble. Let's look at the scripture. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and outside that she called to the men in her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And when it happened that he kept, uh, when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left the garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. And then she spoke to him with words like these saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came to me to mock me. So I happened, it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and he fled outside. Now she's lying, right? But it goes on and it says, um, so when so it was when his master heard these words, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. And then what happened? Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison, right? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made 
to prosper. Isn't that amazing? Wherever Joseph goes, even when bad things happen to him, God blesses him and he causes whatever he does to prosper, even in bad situations, in bad circumstances. Now, the prison test is really a test of perseverance. Perseverance. It's, it's what are you going to do when you're in a situation, when, when you're in difficult times and somebody lies about you to other believers and people believe it? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you suffer for this and your suffering goes on and on and yet you can continue to serve the Lord? So many people think that when God delivers them out of their circumstances that they will then serve him. But here's what I want you to see about Joseph. God was using Joseph despite his circumstances. God can work in the middle of the circumstances to accomplish his will, and sometimes it's even greater than it might have been if he took away the circumstances because people look at you and they see what you're going through and they see your faith despite your circumstances, and they're inspired and encouraged by that, and they're moved by that. And they say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. I want to be like him. And so what we see here in verse 5 is that there are tribulations that are going to come, but they produce character. And so there are four things we're going to look at today. And it's about this Romans 5 verse. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Glory in tribulations, it says. Now, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, I want to point out that word glory to you there. And that particular word glory, and the normal Greek word for glory is the word doxa, D-O-X-A, okay? You've, you've heard of the doxology, right? Well, that, that is referring to, to shine, to brightness, to splendor, to majesty, okay? But that's not what this word means right here in the Greek as we're looking at it. This word means to rejoice. And it's only used a few times in the New Testament. And so here's what he's saying. There's a reason that you can rejoice even in tribulation. How about that? Because we know that tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance, character, character brings hope, and hope does not disappoint. The root of the Greek word means to desire, to wish, to pray for. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never spent a lot of time praying for tribulation, okay? Lord, give me more tribulation. There's one thing missing in my life. I need more of that. I don't spend a lot of time desiring. If I only had tribulation, things would be so much better. I don't wish for tribulation. I'm not sure that I know how to rejoice in tribulation, but that's what he's saying. That's what he's telling us to do because tribulation is going to produce something. It's going to produce character. And then when we have the character, what can we do? We can fulfill God's destiny. So tribulation is going to come, right? There's character, there's perseverance, there's tribulation. All right, there's four points I want us to walk through together today. The first one is this. Tribulation produces perseverance. Now, if you're breathing today then you are going to have tribulation. 
You've either had tribulation in the past, you've got it right now, or you're going to have it in the future, but it's coming. Amen? It's going to happen. And so it says in John 16, Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the book of James, it says, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We're going to look at those two verses in just a moment. Tribulation, perseverance, trials, patience. Tribulation, perseverance, trials, patience. Do you see the difference? Now here, I'm going to tell you about it. You ready? Trials are short. Trials don't last very long. Tribulation is long. Patience is waiting with contentment. You may be waiting, but you're not waiting with contentment. When you wait with contentment, that's really what patience is. Trials are short, and they give you patience. Tribulation is long, and it gives you perseverance. That's the difference. To have this, to understand, perseverance doesn't just come in a week. It's not quick. It's not something you can get over with and move on. It's something you have to deal with for a while. Let me tell you why. Joseph, he had perseverance how many years? 13 years he persevered, right? David, how long did he persevere? 13 years. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there saying to yourself, oh, good, I'm persevering and I'm in year 12. Things are about to get better. If I can just hang on one more year, it's going to be so much better. Well, let me just tell you, for Abraham, it was 25 years. And for Moses, it was 40 years. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Don't you feel encouraged by that good word? But Jesus said, don't worry, because I have overcome the world. Now listen, Joseph, this is really unusual. Joseph never got bitter with God. He never got bitter with the Egyptians. He never even got bitter with his brothers. Tribulation was a long, difficult time, and he learned to persevere. So the second thing is perseverance produces character. Now, I don't know any other place in Scripture that it says that. So if you find a Scripture that talks about that, let me know. But I don't know any other place that says it produces character. I know we have experiences and we have teaching and we have spouses and friends that help us along. But I don't know any other Scripture in the Bible that says it produces character. I wish that I could just find somebody who had character and I could go to them and I could say, you have character. I do not. Pray for me so I will have character. And they could just give it to me and I'd be done with it. We could move on. It would be so easy. Nay, nay. It doesn't work that way. Now let me tell you what produces perseverance. Tribulation. We don't want to go through tribulation, but we have to go through tribulation to get to where God can use all that stuff, develop us into the people he wants us to be to accomplish his will. Joseph was a man of responsibility. Everything he did prospered. But I want you to see here that Joseph made a mistake. And let me just tell you how good I feel about that. 
I am so glad that Joseph made a mistake. I mean, there's hope for me because I've been known to make mistakes too. Maybe some of you have made mistakes in your life. Here's a guy in the Bible, everything he touched, God prospered, but even he made mistakes. So maybe there's hope for us, right? So here's what happens. He's in prison. He's with the baker and the butler. They both have a dream. They share their dreams with him, and then he shares with them what their dreams mean. And after that, the butler gets out of prison. Now, I want you to notice something here that happens in Genesis 40, 14, because I want you to see how many times Joseph refers to me in this scripture, okay? But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. And I personally think that what might have happened at that point is that God said, you know, he's not quite ready yet. He's not quite ready to accomplish my will. He's not quite ready to fulfill my destiny for him. I've got to keep him here so he'll get stronger and he'll trust me. And then he'll be at a place where he can do that. And so that may have happened. Now, he didn't say to the baker, when you get out of prison, remember me and get me out of here. Because he told the baker, you know, when you get out of here, they're going to lift your head up too, but they're going to lift it away from your body and you're going to be dead. And it's hard to remember things when you don't have a head. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't say that to the baker, but to the butler, he did. And he, he promoted himself. And it said, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And actually, I believe that Joseph probably could have been released from prison earlier if he hadn't dropped the hint, if he hadn't tried to take matters into his own hands, if he hadn't said, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever going to get me out of here, so I better do whatever I can do to get myself out of here. And that includes, I'm not going to trust God completely. I'm going to trust him, but not completely in this area. And so it's not that God is punishing him. He's just saying he's not quite ready. When he gets to the place where he really trusts me, then I can use him because he can fulfill the destiny I have for him. And it was two years later that Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could figure out what it meant. And they called and asked everybody around. And then all of a sudden they said, well, you know, went to the butler and he said, there was this Hebrew in prison. I, I forgot about him. And he said he was able to, tell me what my dream meant. And, and sure enough, I got out of prison. It happened just the way he said. And it was at that point, that's when they called Joseph. That's when he got out of prison. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but who gave Pharaoh his dream? God did. And God could have given him that dream the next week, but he didn't do that, did he? He waited two years and that, during that time, Joseph is going through tribulation, but he's getting stronger all along, and he's trusting God even more. God waited two years, and, and I'm just saying that to you because perseverance is about doing the right thing even when the circumstances are not what we want. Amen? That's not easy to do. Lord, deliver me from these circumstances. No. Lord, you just deliver me into your will, and you, you'll take care of everything else, and I'll do it in the midst of these circumstances. And that's what God was trying to teach Joseph. Number three, character produces hope. 
Now, remember I said he left his garment. When she saw that he left his garment, she showed his garment to the master. And here's what I want you to catch. This is why I'm telling you this. Satan is not that creative, okay? And here's the way I know that. You know, what got Joseph into the pit? Well, his brothers saw him coming. And, and how did they recognize him from far off? He was wearing his coat of many colors that his daddy gave him because he was the favorite. And they said to themselves, we're going to put him in the pit. In fact, they said, we're going to kill him. And then they relented and they said, well, we're going to sell him into slavery. So here's what I want you to see. That coat got him in the pit. What got him in prison? She held on to his coat and he ran away and she had his coat right there. Now, earlier in this series, I said, and when Joseph got into a position of power and authority, <laughs> he had everything he needed, second wealthiest man in the country, second wealthiest and most powerful person there is, he probably could have afforded to get all kinds of coats. I mean, a fall coat, a winter coat, a spring coat. He could get all kinds of coats. You know, cold weather coat, little jacket, something for the rain. He could probably have all that stuff. But you know what I wonder he did? I wonder if he didn't just say, you know what? I've been in trouble with coats. I don't want to wear any more coats again. Don't get me any. How about a coat? It's cold outside. I'm good. I got a vest, but I'm not wearing a coat, okay? I'm not going that route because coats get me into trouble. And so we see that, that maybe that might have happened with him. And, and you see, what happens is Satan looks at something, and if it works, he just uses it again. If somebody's got a weakness in a certain area and he's pushed that button and they've messed up, he said, well, let's just keep trying that. Let's just go that route. We'll just do that because he'll go right back and do the wrong thing again. You know, he doesn't have to invent anything new because he already knows how to get you. And if there's something in your life, he'll just use that. Here's a good one. I've heard people say to me throughout my ministry, I went to church for years and years. And then somebody offended me, and I left. I hadn't been back in five years. And I said, well, did you ever get offended at the grocery store? Did you ever get offended at Whataburger? And you keep going back, don't you? You know what? The enemy wants to get us away from corporate worship. He wants to remove us from the teaching of the Word. He wants to take us out of the fellowship with the believers around us. And then he's got us right where he wants us. Because Satan has had thousands of years of practice. And if he can get us at odds with God because we're offended and at odds with other people because we're offended, then he's got us isolated one-on-one -on -one and he can beat us one-on-one -on -one any day. But with God, all things are possible. And so character produces hope. And the scripture in Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, hope is something in Proverbs 13, and it says, what it's talking about there is wealth gained. It goes on and talks about that. And there's nothing wrong with wealth gained, but he says if you gain it dishonestly, it will be diminished. In other words, if you get it dishonestly, you're going to lose it, okay? A better translation might be misplaced hope makes the heart sick. And so hope does not disappoint because hope appoints. That's what I want you to see. Hope deferred. 
deferred hope is what we're talking about, misplaced hope. And so if we have hope and our circumstances changing and our circumstances don't change, then we lose hope. But if our hope is in God, then our hope is put in the right place. It's not misplaced, is it? And we can experience the good from God because of it. And so if your hope is in God, then it's going to work out. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. The last point. Here's what we're going to see. Hope produces appointments. Now, I'm going to have to use a little grammar here so you know that Laura helped me on this one, all right? Here's what I want you to see. The word dis, D-I-S, in disappointment, that means not, okay? So there's a double negative here. It's like he's saying, hope does not not appoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not not appoint. So hope appoints. Do you see what I'm saying? Is this over your head? Y'all are smarter than me. Come on, stay with me. You get disappointed when something goes wrong that you thought was going to happen. But what happens when you have an appointment and it goes well? You're excited. So hope can produce appointments. And we might just even say it this way. In God's relationship, hope produces divine appointments. I've got hope. And God, I don't know when something's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but I'm going to trust him in the midst of my circumstances. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's a divine appointment. And it just works out tremendously. This morning, some friends of ours who were in a previous church I served came and surprised us and came to church. We didn't even know they were coming. And they came at the 9 o'clock service today and sat with me. And I brought them in here just so they could see this venue before they left. They went out of their way. They're traveling from Columbus, Ohio to Naples, Florida. And you don't go through Panama City Beach unless you just want to swing around and take your time. They, They have two homes. They live in two different places. And they came in, and and that was a divine appointment. They came to see me. And next Sunday, I'm going to tell you a story about them, and I hope you'll be here. I hope you'll at least watch it online, because it's a God thing. And it's amazing what God does, and you're going to see it's going to come full circle. You're going to see what that meant and how that all came together. Because tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, and hope gives us divine appointments. So I've got my hope in God. Now, here's what happens. When Joseph put his hope in God, he started, he stopped thinking about himself. He stopped focusing inward, get me out of prison. And he started focusing outward. And it says, and Joseph came to them, to who? The butler and the baker one morning. And he looked at them and he saw that they were sad. He's not looking inward now. He's looking outward. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody of the Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they told him about their dreams, and he told them what they meant. And then sure enough, he told them to get me out of prison to the butler. He didn't tell the baker. Because the baker had lost his head now. It's hard to remember things when you've lost your head. Remember that. I've told you, you learned that here first, right? And so now he's raised up. He's the second wealthiest, second most powerful man in the nation. It's incredible because he started focusing outwardly. You know, when you focus inwardly, there are people that live that way. 
They focus inwardly. Something bad happens to them, and for the rest of their lives, they hang on to it. They won't let it go. Let me tell you my story. Come sit down. Let me tell you how I was mistreated, how poorly people treated me, how ugly things were, how bad it became. Or let me tell you how good God is. And how he delivered me. And anytime you get to feeling sorry for yourself, just go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. I went the other day. You go to the hospital to visit people, and you go in there to cheer them up, make them feel better, and pray for them, right? And then you leave the hospital, and it doesn't work because you feel better. You've gone in there to help them, and they make you feel better. And you're going, wait just a minute. I was supposed to help them. They're helping me. And you know, when you start focusing on other people, all of a sudden, your stuff just kind of goes away, doesn't it? So when you get accused of doing the wrong thing and people lie about you and, and, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, you know, you just keep doing the right thing because perseverance gives you character and character gives you hope and hope does not disappoint. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Joseph. We thank you for his story. We thank you that we get to hear it, understand it, embrace it. Lord, help us to be like Joseph. Help us to be victorious like he was, even though he was human, even though he made mistakes, even though we're human and we make mistakes, Lord, you got a plan. And if we'll just surrender to you and trust you and just wait on you, you'll make it happen. And it's not just for us, but it's for other folks too. And I just thank you for that. And I thank you for revealing that to us sometimes and letting us see the rest of the story. And I'll talk about that next week, Lord. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's children said.